Off the ball. Paul could have been chucked out the island squad numerous times. Jack supported him. He was incredibly sensitive to anything with Paul. Subscribe now to the OTB Football Podcast stream wherever you get your podcasts and download the OTB Sports app. Gaelic football on Off the Ball with AIB, proud sponsors of the GAA Senior Football Championship. Check out hashtag the toughest for more. All right, with the weekend that's in it in terms of Gaelic football, there's no better person that we could think of to speak to than Brendan Venny. Brendan, how are you? Dear, thanks very much. I appreciate that. I'm looking forward to a good chat here. Tell me, um, things looked awful for Johnny Gall along you know five six seven eight nine ten weeks ago and now all of a sudden with the second half performance against Clare people are starting to wonder Bally Buffet Derry that's not actually beyond the bounds of possibility that Donegal might be able to put in a performance and cause a bit of an upset are we are we are we doting uh, I don't know obviously you want to be you want to be positive Chair. just trying to think I mean maybe people think that Derry aren't maybe going as well as they were. And as you said, the Bal Buffet thing, I was thinking back, my old beat us in the league this year, to, um, Tyrone in the, in the, in the, um, uh, it was the final game, I think it was leading into the Super 8s at Bal Buffet. You have to go way back to 2010, I think, down. So really in 13 years, two games uh, lost. So it, it certainly uh, has its presence. Uh, Jared, you have to think of how depleted we are still, you know, and uh, making a case for maybe... Say what Donegal players would get into the actual that dairy side at the minute, back to back also champions. And listen, they didn't play well against Monum, but Monum are probably sitting waiting to to, to get at them and, and change their game plan. And and Derry, you know, still showed a lot of grit, I thought, in that game to go back in there. But you have to think with Donegal. I mean, listen, if you look at McBerry, McHugh, Blangan, you know, McFadden, Ferry, Mogan, you know, the two O'Donnells not committing, uh, not playing this year. Like, there's eight players. Eight of them will be in that team if they are. And I know everybody has to deal with an odd bits and player here and there, but they deal with eight. And, of course, never mind uh, Michael going away and the change of management, etc. So, it's been a massive year of turmoil. I've never seen a year like it, uh, Jerry, you know, with all the stuff, of course, you know, with the academy and all that going on in Donegal. It's been such a strange year. So, in the back of all that, I was uncovered a minor game for... For uh, uh, Highland here, and uh, I heard the halftime score six three. And to be honest, here having seen Donegal in all their league games, I, I actually wasn't surprised. Thought Clare, Clare at home, you know, we always think of Clare in the championship. We were battle hardened. I know they got rubbed against Kerry, but that can happen against Kerry. And you, know, you always think they beat Ross Common last year. He beat Cork. You know, I think we're we're in a bad place. And yet we outscored them eleven three in the second half. And a lot of that came down to kind of your experience core. And there, Joe, you know, your your leaders throughout the team really stepped up, I think, for Donegal. And I suppose that's given you that wee bit of, of hope going into uh, uh, into this fixture on Sunday. They do also seem to have pace around different pockets of the team. Is that fair? I, I mean, I, I'm basing this off only watching snatches of the team playing across the league. And uh, as the league went on, we got to see less and less of them. But am I right in saying that they do have a bit of pace? Yeah, most of the young lads... That have come into the squad would be would be pacey, yeah. Um, if you're not pacey when you're young, you're going to be in trouble as time goes on. You know that's that's one thing for sure. But uh, yeah, I don't know if we have anything really. I mean, Jimmy Brennan would be would be quite uh, dynamic, breaking forward, and, uh, and so would um, uh, the likes of um, geez, my names are, are going my Ash and Gallon. Uh, you know, you look at you look at the pace we have around the team. I wouldn't say it's anything that dangerous. 
um, uh, that, that you know, the likes of O'Donnell uh, as well breaking forward. You know, I, I think it's more, as, as I say, Jerry, the likes of uh, Patton, McGonagall, uh, McCool, Thompson, McFadden. You, the, the team plays around the core and, and you need those players in the middle to kind of control the game. And on the league there, we didn't really have our defence right or our attack right. So it just looked in that game that these guys maybe took control of it and then maybe had the PC players breaking in and around that. I mean, players sat very deep in the game, uh, reading into it, and kind of invited Donegal uh, on them a bit. And I suppose Derry's tactics will dictate a lot of this, I think, at the weekend. Uh, so if they decide to sit and play their normal game, they will allow Donegal a certain amount of possession, which will let Donegal grow into the game. And that just seems to be the way they'll play a lot of the time. If they really went to Donegal, maybe like Arnaud did last year at Clonus, that's probably where the fear would come from, from a Donegal perspective. So I think Derry's tactics might allow Donegal to, to grow into the game. Because one of the big analysis points, that's why I was asking about the the pace, was that Monaghan had really learned from the first game against Derry where um, they had played their best players and hadn't kind of set up to face this team. And that's one of the, the joys of this new system is that actually there's loads of tape uh, the, the Donegal management will have had loads and loads of tape of watching this Derry side and they know this Derry side intimately so if there's anything about them we're going to see it this week Yeah and and Jerry you mean like dropping McCarron and, and McManus I mean God you know two of Monaghan's great great players at the minute I mean McManus one of the greatest players ever played the game but they're sacrificed because of this bloody running game we have now that Athleticism takes over in GA, and the quality now can be snuffed out by a guy going right. You stand on him, and you 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 run up the pitch. I mean, in many ways, the way Rogers and, and Murphy's scenario, I think that probably led to to Michael stepping down, thinking if I'm going to be targeted now by a runner that's going to come up the pitch, like what am I doing? And that's what Derry did to Monaghan. So, I mean, Monaghan's key player that day, McInnesby, you know, up and down, up and down. I mean, phenomenal performance, brilliant stuff, but. I'm just really concerned about, you know, where we're going in terms of the skill level and talents and the tactical setup that we're really now sacrificing our our best players because if they're getting if they're getting on a small bit, they're going to be targeted by a runner up the pitch, and all that is a very kind of negative uh, side of the game. Uh, so that would worry me a, a small bit. Is there no obvious way around that by just going more zonal and saying you're going to be inside forwards and it's not your job to chase back? I say that right and at the same time I'm also very aware of like watching Paul Mannion back in the right corner back position and then you know 40 seconds later being up the pitch fisting a point and you're thinking there are definitely some players who have the athleticism and the skill set to be able to do that but like we're talking about the absolute elite of the game in, in Mannion but is there not another way you could have uh, like it'll be interesting to see if Mayo for example if, if a runner ends up marking Aidan O'Shea and he's just playing full forward if he just plays full forward and Mayo say well okay that's grand but we actually have a zonal system we know our defence well enough and we have enough responsibility to be able to deal with this yeah listen we, we, we don't fault Ross Common for how, how he set up against Dublin what are, what are you going to do it, it is the template look at look at Westmeath Armagh you know uh, you know Armagh sitting in Westmeath keeping the ball out around him Armagh at home like this entrenched tactic that, that's in there you can't actually fault some some of the teams were doing it, but see what you're saying there about O'Shea. And if you look at Mayo, all their big games are Crow Park, and things tend to change at Crow Park. And the likes of your Dublins and your Kerrys and Mayo's, for example, and maybe Galway's as well. But Galway are quite happy to sit too. 
they tend to open up more and they have got a, a second game them. So do Tyrone, really. Tyrone have a second game them. That's why people are crying out at Armagh. You look at some of Armagh's performances last year and you're like, you know, they've gone so, so negative into their shell that when you get to Crow Park, that doesn't work. So you've got these two sides to the game, which is very intriguing. And the teams that you're looking at could win all there. And I just mentioned the four of them for me. They all have got a second game them, and particularly Mayo, you'd say probably of their own game. They're probably the only team that play it on their terms and always seem to do that. They play the running game, which makes them very exciting to watch, which makes the Mayo story always interesting. And people are hardening them about all Ireland finals that. But my God, you'll enjoy a Mayo match. And, and that's why the fans keep going back and the way there's such a buzz about them. And if you think of that, the Armagh last week at home, very unlucky to lose Ulster final, packed Armagh, crowd was silent because of Armagh's tactics. So I think we gotta we got to probably weigh it up. Some of the teams that are on the way up, and as I say, I mentioned Ross Coburn, you can't really fault them. Derry now are back-to-back Ulsters playing that kind of tactic. But as we know then, Crow Park, it doesn't work. So you need a plan B. And I think you were starting to see about that with Derry. They were trying to do the four inside, going right inside and stretching it and trying to create gaps. But at the same time, they are defending with the 15. And you have the brilliance of, you know, we mentioned McManus, McCarney, McGuigan, right back. I mean, what a player McGuigan is. But he's back in his defence quite often and he's popping up here and there. But we're probably losing so much on that. So I think we have two sides to this tactical, uh, this terrible stalemate that we're in, uh, Greg. You obviously have results. You have where the game is played. And then you have these teams coming up to Crow Park. And I think, listen, in fairness to Ross Common, you'd say they still did their job. They stayed in the game, which, you know, they hadn't won a game in 43 years at Crow Park, which is absolutely phenomenal. <laughs> a crazy stat when you think about it. So they were so close. Dublin seemed a wee bit off it. So it's just kind of marrying, I think, Greg, that, that type of, uh, uh, Jerry, that type of defensive uh, uh, stalemate in terms of your attack and your defence. And I think it takes you so far but it won't take you far enough. And we've seen that with Armagh and with Derry and, and, and Crow Park last year. Yeah, okay. So you've, you've a top tier of, of contenders in your head then. Um, just give it to me again, the, the top tier who do have enough of a game plan. When gets- <laughs> but listen, I'm, I'm trying to figure out where Kerry's at and I can't have that be open performance. You'd have to say at the minute, let's just take it on form. You'd have to say at the minute that the, the, the two Connick dudes, Con- uh, uh, Mayo and Galway, are the top-looking two teams now? Now, listen, obviously, rewind that. Four weeks at, at Roscommon, do a job, Mayo. But again, Mayo, Roscommon, at Crow Park, should that happen? Where would you go then after Mayo would probably learn the lesson and the fast-playing pitch? And we've seen, obviously, that happening a few years ago where Roscommon beat Mayo and Mayo absolutely tanked them at Crow Park. So you have that thing, Jerry, uh, 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 of... of Trying to suss up where teams at. Everybody now is really right and carry off, and I would say that's that's a dangerous thing. Surely there's there's a bite back in them. Whether beating Cork at home, I don't know. Listen, they lost that 29 year record again. What, what a record to have uh, for them. And it just shows you again the folly of the Monster Championship in terms of they open it up, they over down there and, and beat them well. So I think, you know, as I say, the provincials are, are dead men walking at the minute, but. But where are these teams at? Just on current form, if you're trying to assess them, I would put the, uh, Mayo and Galway at the top two in Ireland. Do you think with Kerry and Dublin, there's an element that they just aren't feeling it? That there's like, you know, Crook Park is empty for their game, not empty totally, but it's not full for the game against Roscommon, the way it will be for a big game in a quarterfinal, particularly if they're the second tier. If they end up in, you know, if Roscommon outscore in their victories against Sligo and Kildare, 
what Dublin do against Sligo and Kildare Roscommon will top the group and then Dublin will have a game a preliminary quarter final and uh, you know it'll be a full, against a good team and it'll be a full house for that that they actually will feel the uh, emotional intensity I, I mean I, I don't know is this a good thing or a bad thing but like you've, they're, all of that team have all won everything that there is possible to win footballer of the year multiple all-stars a pocket full of, of All-Irelands so maybe playing Roscommon in a game where there's not that much jeopardy isn't the thing that gets the juices flowing am I overrating that? No, that's a great point. And, and we've got to look at it. Say if it was soccer, I think that it, it works because you play, listen, I've played both games. You play it at a certain level. You never had them kind of heights. Now, if you're talking about championship, if you look at league football, teams love the league because the pressure isn't on. There's different players out and then different fitness. And you win, you lose, whatever. There's, there's a chance, you know. When you come to championship, we expect bang. This is Gaelic football. This is attacking on the front foot. And this is another reason why the passiveness of those tactics really get in your head. You're like, what are we doing here? Players are standing off, waiting, waiting. You take him, you take him. The ball moves over. We shuffle across, we shuffle back. That's not Gaelic football. Gaelic football is supposed to be on the front foot. It's supposed to be attack, passion. Now, if you look at it, what you just mentioned there, it's very interesting. You can imagine that Ross Common dressing room versus the Dublin dressing room. Now, they're up there, as I say, the pressure of this the, the, the crew park has been such a bad place recently. They're on the way up. Uh, they've had a brilliant league, but they have to do it in championship, you know. And this was, you, their dressing must have been buzzing before the game. The build up, all the Rossies up. Look at the Dublin dressing room. They must have been like, right, boys, you know. You know I can imagine something pretty soulful in the background, just nice and mellow. Let's go out and play, boys. And you can't play Gaelic at that level, really. Now, when you're as good as Dublin, you can go through the motions and still win. I mean, take Costello out of that. I mean, the brilliance of him in the day, and Dublin always seemed to have something like that. I mean, take him out of it. Roscommon definitely won the game and probably should have anyway. They missed chances yet in the second half, uh, a couple when they could have pulled away. So I think that mindset, you're right, that, that the big games will pull it out. I mean, you look at Dublin's performance last year against Kerry in All-Ireland semi-final. That was the real Dublin again. Now, you're looking at this year, now obviously, uh, Mannion, McCaffrey, Cluxton... Uh, all these guys coming back and you're thinking obviously Colin was injured for that game too so you're thinking right take that back put that Dublin team playing that performance put those four players in surely they beat Kerry and I think if I went to extra time they would have beat them but surely they beat them but but the mindset the overall mindset is the difference and I suppose that's a massively difficult job for Desi Fire. he's probably trying to marry freshness with the ambition to go and win and go and do it and they've new young players in, but the core of the team, a bit like we were saying about Donegal, the core of that Dublin team have to be the drivers. And if they have all this behind them, it's just not humanly possible, I don't think, to get up for every game. That's why I think, it's a, not to get anything away from Ross Common, but they had the bit between the teeth, I think. And that, that that's why that game was was closer than a lot of people were expecting. I think something similar has gone on in Kerry, in a way, in that they got ambushed a little bit by Mayo. And so now it's going to be more interesting there's going to be a little bit more jeopardy for them as the games progress and again we would expect them to be in a preliminary quarter final as well that's not to say that that's the right thing to do you'd obviously much prefer your team to be flat track bullies you know smashing everybody who comes into your house yeah. and that's when those great teams were announcing their greatness but there's no great team out there at the moment I suppose is the conclusion from this which makes it very interesting. Um, you know, when I was chatting to somebody about this, you know, when, when the stuff came up about the negative tactics and Peter Caravan's bit out last week about the game and that, and people were saying, oh, what, what are we talking about? We've won the most open championship ever. But 
that's an open championship. That's not talking about a lot of the tactics in the game, you know. And I think it's brilliant. If you look at it for years, I suppose Dublin, where who could who could beat them? You had one or two teams in there. And I'm not forgetting about my neighbours in Throne, um, you know, all Ireland champions a couple of seasons ago. They still could have a party playing this because I think when they get the crew part, they have that, as I say, A and B side to their game. They can mix it. So, so I think that makes it vastly interesting. I mean, you're really saying there's probably uh, four or five teams you think you can make a reasonable case to win all Ireland, and there's another two or three just outside of that loop, which actually makes things uh, uh, really, really interesting in terms of the whole all Ireland series. But you're right. I mean, we had this with the Super Eights a wee bit. Uh, you know, it didn't seem like it would really hit the heights maybe at times till we got to the quarterfinal and that's the funny thing about Gaelic because while we're playing league and we get to this league we all accept that and we often have some very exciting league games and they're played at a, a certain level and that's kind of it but when we hit championship we expect it to be flat out because we're still remembering the glory days of knockout championship but of course that doesn't happen uh, so we're in this funny thing I think with this group stage in terms of how we how teams have quit themselves in it, and then when it gets to the big stages, and I think as I say, the Dublin semi-final performance last year told you all, and that relates back to that point you made, Jared, that packed house in Crow Park playing Kerry, then you see the best dubs, which I, which is, is still there, I think. Yeah, I, and I I think I think that's exactly the point that these games aren't the games that we're going to look back on in ten years' time and go, oh, do you remember that? opening round of the round robin where these two teams who got knocked out in the quarter like we do you know what I mean we're, we're, we're prisoners of the moment now analysing the Roscommon I actually think fair play to Roscommon 100% that's exactly what you should be doing when you're a so called inferior opposition against superior you keep the ball and you don't give it to them it's like very basic you know what, what's happening here is the introduction of um the, the democratisation of everybody having tactics and like who the hell are Roscommon to think they're allowed to do that well, the Dubs have been doing this for years like what Anyway, sorry, I got I got sidetracked. No, no, I, I get you. They, I suppose, as we always say, uh, that the interchange and the pace of, of a lot of teams, they do it so fast that they don't seem uh, as entrenched as some of the other teams. And again, when you think of Dublin, it's Crow Park. And again, just going back to the road, everything changes there. You know, the pace and the, the ability to, to, to interchange. And quite often, the teams are playing. I mean, you think the battles we may owe, in particular, like they don't play that way. So you wouldn't have noticed Dublin playing it as much. They played it not to the level they would other teams. And Dublin, of course, got very streetwise since the famous 20, 2014. And they, they sometimes, you would notice them sitting going, okay, if you just want to sit, we'll sit and we'll do what you'll do. When we break, we're better at it than you. So you had all this going on in, in the background. Some of the Ulster teams would come up to play and Dublin would kind of toy with them over time. But I think that's kind of levelled out. Um, you know, that brilliance of that Dublin team, certainly between, you know, some, some players uh, stepping away, the age profile of some of them not being replaced by, by the same talent has, has has dropped their performance enough to, to allow everybody else to have a fair shot at it. But certainly, there, yeah, you're right about Kerry. You know, after last year, you looked at them, they looked with Paddy Talley going down there. They had that lovely mix of defence, tackling hard, aggression. They won everything they were done there. You know, they weren't conceding goals. You know, you had the, the actual majestic god that is David Clifford, of course, the only man that played well against Mayo, really. So you're thinking, who's going to stop them next year? And then it all turns. So I suppose that's, that's, that's a good thing in the game. You know, if, if Kerry were very robotic, 
and and we're annihilating everybody. We're like, oh no, who's going to take them on now? So the fact that they've dipped a bit does make the whole championship uh, very interesting. You, you mentioned Tyrone. You think they're not done in terms of um, their influence? Uh, obviously, this is a huge game against Armagh um, on Saturday evening. What or is that Sunday? Sorry, I mixed up the Donegal. Saturday, yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, what what is the truth about where? Tyrone are because the core of the team who won the All-Ireland are still there like I know a bunch of players left uh, but it was mainly subs and in, in, an injection of extra stuff and, and maybe um, you know a few of the players who've gone actually were key to that All-Ireland victory and, and I'm underrating that but the core of the team and then you've got the transfusion of new uh, underage blood from a successful team that's won All-Ireland in the under-20s and I, I do think that they are one of those teams who could go on a roll for five or six weeks and all of a sudden they're in a semi-final and we're like yeah, this is a 50-50 game against a really good team you know yeah, yeah well listen obviously Tyrone relegated Armagh there you know and uh, Armagh very lucky Armagh could have very easily in that league been in the league final uh, and, and they got relegated um, you know Tyrone that day there's just something about Tyrone I think they like playing Armagh you know I don't think this is a game Armagh want at all uh, and uh, particularly after the performance of last year, actually, or last week, I think, in fact, Armagh's performance in here is bigger than the result because they've got a one under their belt, but they played really poorly. I think Tyrone are definitely favourites going to this, and they're under pressure after losing to Galway. Frank Burns sending off, of course, the black card, and had a decent bearing on that because I heard from my friends in Tyrone, Tyrone were flying good into this. And Galway seemed a wee thing over Tyrone lately, and, and they're streetways as well, and I think that with the same, with the men down and that was, was the difference but but you're right yeah there's something about um this performance now Armagh have to give a good performance and I think their fans could take that even if they lost narrowly like they did in the league you've got to see that bit of bite back which we seen last year when Armagh beat uh, uh the, the two dogs beat Tyrone and beat Tyrone beat them well playing some great attacking football and we just haven't seen that from them since and listen I, I think Tyrone there you know if, if you look at it you know, um, Canavan's in the background there uh, helping out. You know, you have, you have um, obviously Logan and Doher in there. You have, you have Collie Holmes. Uh, you have Big Joe McMahon. You know, like there's a phenomenal team in the background uh, of, of Tyrone. And, and you mentioned obviously the young Canavan's coming through and, and, and McCurry. And I think I think Michelle might be injured at the weekend and that. But, you know, for, for them at the back too, like Rian O'Neill being their main man, I mean, McNamee or, or Hampsey love uh, playing against Ryan O'Neill and he, he many ways carried Armagh. That would be a bit of a worry last year. They'll be looking to, last week from, from his performance, they'll be looking to get about him. If he goes out the pitch, probably Milo will pick him up. So how they deal, if they snuff Ryan O'Neill out of the game, you know, and I know Mernon came, came well in the second half, kicking three points in that, but I'm just wondering about the rest of the Armagh forward line. They just don't seem to be moving at, at a level high enough to to outscore the likes of Cannabis and McCurries and these these boys inside, I think uh, Tyrone will come through this. And uh, as I say, Jeremy, when you get to Crew Park, I think this Tyrone squad could still be very, very dangerous. I don't think there's any of the, them teams out there that they couldn't beat. Yeah, and I think what's going to happen is we're going to get to Crow Park for quarterfinal weekend, uh, or maybe it's over two weeks this year, but uh, we're going to get to the, the final eight and we'll think that these eight teams have a really good sense of what they're trying to achieve and there'll be more games obviously so the likelihood is that some of the squads will have significant injuries but notwithstanding that we'll have the eight best teams in the country who will all have had the same number of games to get there 
and who will all be under the same circumstances. There'll be nobody kind of coasting through an easy provincial championship, swanning in, having rested basically for the previous three weeks with a massive advantage. And I think that's the whole point. And then we start to judge the value of the group stages in filtering out the dross and giving everybody equal opportunity. Yeah. Listen, first year, we're going to have to learn like so many people are giving off. Oh, you play these games and you, you know, you, you still have another one that I'm like, oh, let it, let's see how it rolls because otherwise, you know, the dead rubbers could be the worst of the lot, you know, in terms of teams trying to target something. And I know the team that finishes third are going to find it hard, but something could go against you in a game. You've still got a fighting chance. So, listen, it can always be tweaked, I suppose. But, you know, you have people in there. If you looked at going into this, you would have big, I suppose, worries for Westmead, uh, teams like Sligo, you know, um, how they're going to equip themselves, even even the likes of Ross Common going to Dublin. So, we've already seen some brilliance. I mean, what that Mayo one and Kerry, I mean, that must have given them a massive, massive uh, lift. So, there's, there's teams in there... I think there's, if you look at even the Sligo scenario, like uh, if they can get a, a a result, some kind of performance at the weekend against Ross Common, I mean, they're going to Division 3 next year. I mean, that's some preparation for them. And Westmeath looked like they're well set up. And I mean, you can give off of tactics all you want, but Desi Doan looks like he's doing a great job there. I mean, they're eight points up against Louth. And that can happen sometimes in, in Leinster and come back. So you're thinking maybe it should be them getting in that final because they looked like they were maybe better equipped than, than Louth as, as an overall team. So there's there's teams in there that will grow and, and that's their job in there. They're not thinking about really topping the group in it or, or winning it or, or really thinking they've tilted in All-Ireland. But they're going to try and grow in there as a squad and then go into their league next year should it be, you know, some of them teams to say are, are in three. Uh, most of them are in two that they're trying to learn and, and learn and grow. So I think everybody in there is trying to find about a progression, and I think teams are teams are doing that. But yeah, when it gets to the knockout stages, I think then you'll see the real fire. The only thing I'd say in that year is obviously, and I don't mean to play up an Ulster thing. Like Derry have had a Derry and Armagh, for example, you know have have had a decent season before they've had this group yeah. stages, and maybe that has taken a bit out of them. Which I don't think the other provincials maybe had that as much. So that's maybe a wee thing that that could affect them. But then we'd have to kill the Ulster Championship, and that's not going to happen. Yeah, well, that's, <laughs> as I said, Jerry, I think it's I think the championships are as much as Ulster. We'd love to click on there for the sake of the rest. I'm sure. What What are you going to do here? I, I think they're getting in the way now. If we really want to pursue these group stages, and Jerry, they hate they say it because I love Ulster and the championship is, is phenomenal. Teams put so much. Uh, you get so much. Uh, I suppose uh, out of winning it, it's a massive thing. I mean, Derry is absolutely buzzing on the back of the back of the back been down for so long it's a real mark in the season I just don't see you know, how it fits in with the whole thing because if you look at some of the other championships how they're and the, the example of Mayo going down beating Kerry after 29 years of not being beaten by anybody really in Munster it shows you that there's not a lot of point in that and if they're able to kind of cruise through it that's not fair in other teams and this has been brought up for years and years and I think when we're trying to sandwich everything in there's no way you can come through a tough Ulster campaign then go through like, a tough group stage, then go to the Super Eights and think that you're as fresh as a team that's cruised through. And listen, I'm not uh, uh, crying about <laughs> Ulster or anything. I'm just saying, physically, that's not fair. So listen, I don't see how the, the provincials can, can keep going, Jeff. We're really going to, 
uh, fitness into your season and keep the league No I agree with you 100% um, I did want to ask you about going to Togo uh, you, tell us a little bit about this you, you you work with Plan International but it's not like a lot of people kind of do a little bit here and there you've been kind of properly committed to this now for a number of years what's going on? I just trying to help out uh, you know it's one of them things yeah. uh, listen we've all different mindsets and looking at things and I've always I, I think it's an Irish thing you know I look around Irish people are so well to help Sometimes the avenue to help doesn't really pop up. You know, I see it here with neighbours or people. And you look at it like there's so much goodwill. And uh, I would say per head, you know, we're probably one of the biggest uh, donators in the world, you know, to charities and helping out people and that. And the, and the world at the minute, just as you see, here, things are getting worse and worse. You know, for years I had to be direct debits to different charities. And, you know, you do your retrocker thing at Christmas instead of Christmas gifts and I just think that was the way to do it. And I thought, how can I, how can I help a bit more? And how can I see something that's that tangible? What am I doing here? Because listen, look, we're all the charities doing great work, but it, you're giving them money. I don't really know what they're doing with it exactly. So I started to think, how can I, how can I just help and see? So sponsoring a child, so I started sponsoring kids, and then I sponsored another one, another one, and it's twenty-two euro a month, and. Uh, I started looking at ways uh, to, to help plan then, and I got talking to the plan people, and they asked to come on board and help out. So uh, if you're like me, and I'm sure like everybody else, I wax the wages, everybody. You know what I mean? First week, it's high-end shopping, and by the last week, it's dust good stores. So I, I hate asking people for money, and I've always had a problem with that. Oh, when a club selling tickets, I'm like, oh, no. But anyway... <laughs> So I was looking at wee ways. So I did fast, fast a day sponsor a child. So you fast a day or fast two half days, whatever you can. You save the 22 euro. You sponsor the child. You sign up, sign up the plan. They send you a pack. So you see that wee kid growing up, you know, and plan with more luck at girls. But they do boys because girls are under more danger in the world from early childhood brides, lack of education, you know, the horrors of, of, of FGM GM and that. So you, you've got all these things against girls. I grew up in a house of girls. So that's kind of what took me towards plan uh, a bit here. So we things like washing the cars, you know, I have the wee pictures of the kids there and I tell them, that's why we're washing the cars. You know, you see a 14 euro, you know, you're, you're well on your way to 22 euro in the month and that. So the, 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 I did a charity ball then last year, uh, where we, we supported uh, Cancer Care West Focus Ireland, but we sponsored 21 kids on the night as well. Um, so that I really wanted to do something big for plan to, to, to help as many kids as possible. So, Thanks to generosity here, people in Donegal and, and around the whole area. People came from all over the country um, to, to the ball and that. So this trip came up then. So myself and Carol Wickham from Plan is going, thank God, because she set everything up. I had no idea that was this was complicated. <laughs> Visas and forms and oh my God. So she set everything up. Uh, fair play there. She's a star. And Bradis O'Donnell, Bradis will do a lot of GA coverage there. He's coming with us to document the trip. Uh, so it's coming up now in the, in the next log of days so you're going to Togo Togo yeah yeah it's West Africa there uh, it's near Burkina Faso and, and Benin and it's uh, 8 million people most of them live below the poverty lines there it's uh, mostly agriculture um, half the population are under 18 um, so it, it's it's going to be a tough place but listen there's always a lot of joy in the people out here and that's why the kids and that now you're your parent you know have I have three sons and have, have a wee baby in the way and you're, you're always trying to centre them a wee bit. You know, kids have loads of more stuff to face and stuff as they get older and protect their, you know, phones and they have a lot more things to deal with probably in kids, 
maybe when I obviously when I was growing up, but they have a lot more luxuries, you know. And I know that's don't get me wrong as a sage here, everybody gets a wee bit tough, but really, you know, you're on about the basics of the world out there, you know, you're on about sanitation and running water and things like that that we just think right that's normal electricity that isn't normal for loads of people out there so going out there to see and meet the, meet some of the kids that are sponsored like i have their wee packs upstairs they're in my office their pictures are up there Jerry. so i'm not sure how it's going to be when i go to meet them because it, you know it'll be it'll be strange it'll be very heartwarming and humbling but you know obviously last year tragedy in my own family losing my dad and my sister so my emotions are a bit rocky, to say the least. So, um, just I wonder how that'll be. You. If anybody wants to support you, Brendan, um, and Plan International, what's the best way for them to to do that? Well, you can sign up at Plan, yeah, which this is what it's all about. Um, I did a wee post on social media there last day, and I got three people that I know of obviously contacted me directly, asked me for the details they wanted to do it, and share it with their kids and all that there, you know. So if you can't go on plan.ie, it's very simple to sign up. If you if you take their number, there, it's on their site. Uh, they'll phone you straight back. You can sign up in minutes. Um, so that's that's where it's at there. Obviously, I didn't, I'm very lucky there because this trip, obviously, I haven't done money to get any money from plan. I'm here to help them. So Terry McNuff at the Mount Derrick Hotel, Kieran Brogan at Sister Sarah's uh Bar restaurant in the Kenny here, and, and my friend Kieran Keevney and Fifth and Mad Bar in New York. They sponsored the trip, so they've paid for us to go. So it's phenomenal journey of these people in the background. And um, but I you know, they're, you know, they're, they're, they're only in the background because they know your energy and and you you brought the energy. And that's the bit I think that like. Um, getting involved with tragedy is always getting involved with uh, charity is always complicated because people feel like oh you're only doing it for your own benefit but like of course there is a a, a benefit there has to be because that inspires people but also it's not just that anymore like American philanthropy is tends to be rich people uh, buying off the guilt they have for making their money the way they did and not paying any taxes whereas you you know the point about Ireland Irish people trying to help is it's um I don't know. I, I'm also interested in, in your own kids, like trying to center them. Is it working? Because one of the things that we experience on DadCast is a lot of um, parents going, my children are very ungrateful for all of the all the great things that they have in their lives. Um, is, is the, I mean, if this is, I'm asking for advice here, Brendan. Does this work? <laughs> well, <laughs> listen, I, 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 I try, um, I suppose you're, I'm, my, my job in that, listen, I work with Larson Bowden products and I do seals and I obviously do bits and pieces of media and that. So I, I think that only comes from a wee bit of, you kind of, we're all different here. You have a good sense of awareness and I'm, I'm like a big kid with my kid. You want to see my house here, there? It's 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 a play zone, you know? And I don't, again, it's, it's more through a wee bit of imagination, you know? And I'm always thinking of ways of having fun with them and that. So I see in them that, create the fun, you know, and even when we nieces and nephews, I hate the thing where we give them, like the money's gone up, you know, maybe a, con- a confirmation of Holy Communion or birthday and trash is like, you need my wife, you need to put on this. I'm like, what? Are you see, what are you talking about? This is, what, Joe, so, no, I'm going to take them away. I'm going to take them to the park. I'm going to take them to the forest. I said, I don't want to be giving them money. I said, where, what's that for? What's, what are they going to do? Buy sweets? There's sweets everywhere. You know, I'm always saying to myself, right, how do you, how do you spend a bit of time with them and, I looked at wee things that they'll remember in their life and we're lucky Jerry was trashes from the door and we'd be down there quite a bit. The, the kids be down there nearly the whole summer on the beach. And there's, you know, fun, free fun and, and how you have it and how you, 
you, you know, they let the kids enjoy that. That's where the reality is in life. And yeah, you mentioned trying to buy people off, say buy things. I always find that the natural way, like camping, I take the kids camping. I camp out in Gold Island with my son, son there a few times. And an absolutely phenomenal thing to do, you know. Um, and I think those things are way ahead of, of, of any any trip or anything. And sometimes I feel, even when you go on holidays there, it's a wee bit packaged, you know, uh, around time and what you're doing and here and there. Like, I, I think I can find in Ireland here, see, taking your kids on wee trips that are different, that are in nature and that night and about, I think that's where, where the real joy is. And again, being Irish, yeah, we're absolutely blessed. And I just hear so much negativity coming through and I know the bad story sells and all that but we live in an unbelievable country here in terms of uh, uh, amenities and where we can go and things to visit that are you know we can take your take your kids and that and that's where the joy is and funny news talk I was, I was hearing about people saying about regretting having kids and that and I'm like oh come on you know society where where are we going like you know you, you, you there's a time in your life you don't want kids because you're going buck mad as you know we were back <laughs> in the day and that's fine and then there's the other part of your life where you have the joy of, of your kids and, and living through them and they say I'm I'm like their bloody body at times and that and and my wee lad come on the last day and he says mommy was for hugs and daddy's for fun <laughs> which Trasa wasn't too happy but she goes I'm fun as well which which of course she is but <laughs> but the fun you have with the wee ones uh they're listen at times it's full on don't get me wrong you know you get down you get down there you get them to bed every evening I'm trying not to open a beer <laughs> right to relax with without having a beer because life is hectic but I wouldn't swap it for for anything and I think you're we got to remember, again, going back to the kids, the amount of things we have in life and people get into a bad mindset because all the stuff on social media and people supposed to be living these great lives. Not, nobody is. Nobody's living a great life. You're living your own life. You've got to quantify it and, and look at the people around you. Look at them in Ireland here, families, friends, the amount of people will help you and, and, and are in your life and are ready to, to be there for you. And don't get tracked into the mindset of, look at this, I want this and I want that. Look at what, what you have, you know, and, and look at what's around you and make, make the best of that. That that's that would be my feeling in life. Listen, I'm, I'm not surprised people want to rally to support you and um, and to help you with the, the Plan International stuff as well because uh, your outlook is incredible. It's great to, to talk to you again, Brendan, and enjoy the Thanks, trip sir. to Togo. And uh, it does sound like it'll be a, an emotionally overwhelming experience, but I've no doubt that when we talk to you in the aftermath of that, that it'll be great too. Thanks a million for joining us. Really appreciate it, Jeff. Thank you. Gaelic Football and Off the Ball is in partnership with AIB, proud sponsors of the GA Senior Football Championship. Check out the hashtag The Toughest for more. Gaelic Football on Off the Ball with AIB, proud sponsors of the GAA Senior Football Championship. Check out hashtag The Toughest for more.